On today's episode, I spoke with Anna Furmanov about B2B marketing, customer voice, and GTM. Anna was the head of marketing at two different Series A B2B tech startups in the EdTech and food tech space, and was also on Groupon's growth marketing team. And now she runs her own firm helping B2B companies fast track their marketing. So let's dive right into it. So we don't have to worry about any of that here. So let's let's start with some context setting here. And, and just if you wouldn't mind chatting through kind of the core areas of marketing that you're focused on and how you're trying to help B2B companies right now. Yeah, um, I'm a fractional head of marketing for early stage startups. So I focus mostly on seed funded startups, B2B. Uh, of course, I always get some others trickling in and it ends up being a good fit for whatever reason. Maybe they're a bit larger, but they're kind of at the stage where I typically work with the seed funded startups. That's sort of where, you know, they, they need my help. But it's typically seed funded, typically, um, you know, a certain size, certain number of customers that they have. And it's really just like, that's what I do. I'm, I'm a fractional head of marketing. I come in instead of being full time head of marketing, I come in and, and do the same things. I actually double checked this with somebody that was like full time head of marketing at a seed startup. She, she looked at my process, which we'll get into eventually in this um, conversation. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly what I do, except you're fractional. So that's so it really does align with what um, heads of marketing do at seed funded startups. When you're talking about seed versus Series A, there, there's obvious distinctions there from a business standpoint. When you're tackling that from a marketing standpoint, let's say you get one client that comes in that's a great fit as a seed company. Then you got a Series A company coming in and they're, they're a good fit, too. You take both of them on. What does that change in your process and how you think about tackling marketing for those different companies? Yeah. So the reason that I say seed is because over time, I've had my business since 2020, I realized that a lot of the series A, series B, typically they have a full-time marketer already. It's at the seed stage where they need somebody strategic and you know that fills out their go-to market process, but they can't necessarily hire full-time. So it's a gap. It's been a need. And so that's how I've realized I'm a good fit there. Um, and at the seed stage, they typically, you know, they have the funding and that's because their, um, pro their, their, their method of getting traction has kind of been, um, like looked at and researched and that's why they got more funding to grow. They might have, you know, anywhere from four or five customers, to 10 customers, it, it all depends, like, what is their average customer value and, like, what is the product that they're selling? But typically, that's where seed stage, that's where I come in. And um, and so that's really the difference between, like, when I joined full-time to uh, headed up marketing at two uh, B2B startups, it was at Series A. Because really, at that point, your growth targets... <laughs> Are at a certain point, you you just can't not hire somebody to fulfill all of the activities. You can't just hire someone that's fractional. You need someone full time working 40, 50 hours a week. Definitely. And, and shifting focus just a tiny bit before we dive into your process, B2B has kind of become your core focus. Why, why B2B? What makes that attractive to you as a marketer looking at B2B versus B2C? What would draw you more toward that? 
You know, I I would work in B2C and I have. I worked at Blistex, the lip care company. I worked at Groupon. Um, I really do love that I have that experience of B2C because they just, like, you don't have to do the explanation. They just get marketing. Um, it, it's highly valued. It's it's more so creative. There's a lot of focus on the on you know consumer buying habits and in consumer insights and product innovation around what consumers are talking about and need. And I love that part. Um, but in the B two B on the B two B side, uh, it, it's the the actual average customer value is just like so high that you don't need a lot of customers versus B2C side. Like I'm selling a lip, one lip care, or one, one, uh, you know, um, one little product at the Walgreens and then you get the $3 and 25 cents for it versus uh, a bigger deal, larger deals. Like some of my clients, they sell hundred thousand dollar product. Right. So there's something interesting about that. There's, um, there's like a sales and marketing component, right? Sales team, marketing team. And I just found that there's more of a need on the B2B side. So I think that, um, I think those are the reasons why I decided to focus on B2B. I also had it up marketing at two B2B startup series A. So I've got that experience. B2C side also, um, it's very much like direct to conversion, right? There's a lot of focus on the paid ad side and that's just not something that I focus on with my work. Let's let's shift a little to the process. I think that'll cover a lot of what we want to talk about today. Leaning into that, if you snoop around your LinkedIn profile, you refer to yourself as the Marie Kondo of startup marketing. Why Why do you think companies need that and what does that really mean? Early stage startups are a mess. Um, it is a mess that I super love to clean up. Not everybody likes to clean up that mess. And I think when I started to put that tagline, when I put it on the, my profile, people connect with me and they're like, oh my gosh, I love it. Oh my gosh, I get it. So I'm glad I used that. And it's really because I help clean up early stage startups marketing messes. And it's not just marketing. Marketing It ends up becoming their go-to go market strategy because after, and we'll go through the process, but after we do all the marketing foundational work, we have to tie that back to, okay, how does marketing fit into your go-to market strategy? How does sales and marketing work together, together with like, what are you building? What does the product look like today? What are you building into the future? And how do we think about our customers and tie that back to like customers becoming super, super fans of what we're building to bring in more, you know, new customers for business growth. So um, hope that explains it. Well, let's let's go into it. So yeah. you've um, you've coined the, the phrase mass to uh, kind of attribute to, the, to this system, the process that you uh, have built out to basically build out a marketing plan for companies and starts with where it should start, which is with the customer and what they actually care about and capturing their voice. So when you're looking at the voice of the customer and early on trying to figure out what that is, what are the methods that you're using to collect that and what do you do with it? Yeah, even before we kick off the voice of customer research, I have a kickoff meeting with the team and I ask them very important questions, which is, okay, what, what are you building? Who is it for? Um, what are you solving? What problem are you solving? What pain are you solving for them? 
what are your benefits? What are your, the features? I ask them all of these critical questions. And, th and only after that, right, I have some kind of knowledge from the team. Then I schedule those voice of customer research conversations with top customers, super fans that love them. Um, all of their, you know, I try to, to have conversations with all of their customers and then um, prospect, warm prospects and maybe even lapse buyers, people where it wasn't the right fit. Although with early stage startups, you don't really have a lot of lapse, hopefully, um, because founders typically they're figuring out positioning messaging like target buyer, all that stuff. And so I come in, have these conversations. And what I'm looking for when I have these conversations is does the pain that you talk about match up to the pain that they're having? Do they talk about you in that same way when I, when we, when I ask them like, what is this product? Um, what does it solve for you? What are the top, what's the top value you're getting? How, how is it changing your life? So such rich insights I'm getting from these conversations. And then I pull the insights and it's like a common thread across all of the different folks I speak to. That common thread then helps me um, put that into like positioning, messaging, everything that we're going to then use in not just website uh, copy, but also maybe their sales pitch deck, maybe their, you know, other marketing collateral, sales collateral, where else they live online. So that's really important foundational work for um, the positioning and messaging. Yeah. So once, once you get to that point and you kind of know what customers actually say and what they really want, as opposed to the assumptions of the founder or the early team, what's the natural progression of what to do with that information and how to flesh out something that's a little bit more actionable? Yeah. So I work on this deck and it's, um, it's, I call it the marketing foundation deck. And it's something that I want to not just collect dust in a drawer or in your laptop, <laughs> collect dust inside your laptop, um, but something that's usable by the whole team. So each slide is really like what it's, it's bringing together. Why did you build this company? Why do you exist? Who are you for? What are you offering? Top benefits, top features, competitors analysis. Like I said, positioning messaging that I got from voice of customer research. And, um, and then we also work then on keyword research. So figuring out like, okay, are we using the right terms and who else is using terms kind of similar and do we need to create more website pages? And, and so this deck, not only is it usable by the team, but it's really helpful for if we're going to revamp the website, this is like the go-to place to, to help with um, putting copy on the website. What pages do we need, right? From the keyword research, do we, do we just have like the the main five pages? Do we need any other ones? Um, creating new landing pages, maybe around, uh, maybe for blog content, right? Any specific keywords that we should focus on for blog content. So that's just the nat natural progression then from voice to customer research into this marketing foundation deck, which is then used to um, start thinking about like, what are we, what pages do we need for the website? And maybe for, you know, blog article content. How how often is it when you're working with companies and going through this early part of this process that you come across things that they've literally never thought of versus things that they kind of know they should do, but they just haven't? Yeah. Uh, so many times I told you I do that kickoff meeting and I say, like, why do you exist? Who are you for? What are you offering to them? Benefits, features, all that stuff. And then I talk to the customers 
top customers, super fans, right? Prospects. And what I find is there's like these things that they haven't actually figured out from these conversations because they never actually had the conversations in a systematic way. So I pull out things that maybe like, oh, that that's a top value. We haven't really talked about that. Oh, we should really focus on that as a top benefit of our product because it's apparently really important to a lot of these um, buyers. So things like that. It's like you, you go to the team, you you talk to them, they tell you what they think, and then you just go back to the customer and you double check. Like, is that the right positioning? Is that the right messaging? And there's key things that then we need to talk about for positioning messaging that we need to tweak. Yeah. So up, up until this point, we've talked about a lot of things that end up getting written down or displayed as text somewhere, you know, messaging, we are talking about your positioning in the market, uh, keyword research, all these things. On the flip side, how do you think through the visual aspects of, of marketing for the company? Maybe walk us through how you navigate design or personality for these brands so that it kind of comes through on their website and beyond. It is so important. I cannot, uh, I cannot reiter reiterate this enough just based on typically you're in a crowded space. Typically, a lot of folks like are saying the same thing. They're trying to position themselves. They're trying to solve a similar pain point. And especially in those, uh, in that uh, example, you really need to stand out. And, and the way you do it is you need to look at what, what is the competition saying? What does the competition look like? Because you want to look diff very different, right? And be more memorable. So um, what I work on next typically is a brand design guide. We start working on that fairly early on. Like we start talking about the competition fairly early on. That happens in the kickoff meeting. And we look at what, what they're saying, what they look like, so that then we can talk about, okay, what are our colors? What are our visuals? What's our personality? Um, and just because you're a B2B tech startup and your, your ACV is 100K, right? Doesn't mean that you can't have a personality. You absolutely need to have a personality because the company is made up of people. So, um, so every, everyone should have a personality. And so it, it might be that like, if you're a security tech startup, you, you want to be more serious. That's fine. But that's still something that you need to decide. And then based off of that, you decide on what visuals you want to share, what you want to show. Right. And, um, and so we talk about like who whose websites we love, whose websites we hate. What do we love about it? Why do we love it? What do we hate about it? Why? Um, and then this helps guide the designer on like mood boards. And then mood boards is something where we start like, okay, what do we want to go dark, bold colors? Do we want to go light, serious, playful? So all that stuff is really important. And honestly, I love that part of the process. It's important, but it, and it's fun. And, um, and I can't reiterate how enough, how important it is as part of this, um, this, this process. Yeah. And, and coming, having it all come together, probably the most common place that this all ends up is back on the website in some form. Obviously there you'll, you'll talk about your brand. You'll talk about your positioning in other places, but it all coalesces on the homepage and your other website pages as well. So how do you connect all of the dots once you've done different exercises like positioning and messaging and design? These are all very different things. Yeah. 
So connecting the dots means, okay, I know that I'm going to have to start with like wire, a wireframe of the homepage, a wireframe with like four or five other pages. Usually you want like a one level deeper product page. Usually you want an about us page. Usually if you can, you, you should put a, up a pricing page, right? Um, not necessarily for the 100K product, but uh, you know, it, it really depends. Usually you want to have like, a way for them to book a demo, right? You want to have like a, just a contact us page. So we, we talk through all those pages that we need. And then I work on wireframing it out, which is literally just taking a Google Doc, laying out all the sections and the copy and the image ideas. And, um, and, and I do a lot of writing in my work. So it's interesting because I, I um, didn't think about it that way, but there is actually a lot of writing uh, when you're building on a marketing foundation for an early stage startup, it is a lot of writing. So why you're framing that out, helping the designer with like some ideas for the visuals that match to some of that copy is something that I do as well. And, and then once the designer has the wireframe of it, they can jump in and start designing. And I've worked with the same designer for years. And so um, we have this, you know, the, an ability to kind of get each other by now. When we first started, there was like a lot more back and forth, but now it's almost like, yeah, it, it's uh, the, the engine between me, the marketer, right? And, and him, the, the designer is just a lot faster, smoother, and, and um, easier as we work on the website pages. There, there's more here in the process that maybe we won't get to uh, fully. Speaking of which, like case studies, social proof, things like that, which uh, for a seed company, for example, might be a little bit <laughs> tricky to to at least narrow down. How am I going to get social proof if nobody's using it yet or very few people are? Um, any thoughts on on that part of it? Where where what you advise companies who may not have any social proof or case studies? Yeah, so that's not where I get involved. I typically get involved where they have customers because I have to start my process with those voice of customer conversations. So they have to have customers. Maybe it's two solid ones, maybe three solid ones, right? But they have to have customers. If they don't have customers, I can't get involved because I can't kick up the process with the voice of customer research. So I always work on case studies because my clients always have customers. And you need case studies because it's like you have to have the testimonials. You have to build the trust on your website when no salesperson is around to build that trust. You need to have that. The case studies are really helpful to like help the person, the prospect get into the shoes of this, you know, who would be a good target buyer? Like, is does this person look like me? Are they at a company like me? Do they have the problems that I have? OK, this seems like a good fit and I should talk to this company. Last part of the process here, I, I want to chat through, um, and then you can add on anything else that kind of happens after this as well. But uh, one thing that you talk about is having a wedge in your content strategy. If you wouldn't mind just kind of helping us identify what that really is or what that means, um, how, how to look for those unique angles across your content strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Like, put it so content strategy is two things it's like you need your actual content what are you going to say and you need your distribution like which channels are you going to put out that content right so, so the the strategy comes from under having those voice of customer conversations understanding where do these people hang out and what kind of content they already are into 
Um, who do, what do they read about to get better in their work? Who do they follow? What events do they go to? All that stuff I cover in the voice of customer conversation. So, so it's not like I come back and I have to ask them again, right? Which is really, and also for the case studies, it's really helpful because the voice of customer research, I can pretty much use what I covered already in my one-to-one -one conversations for those case studies. So that's why the research is so important. Um, and so that's really part, that's the strategy, right? The wedge that I mentioned um, for the content, your specific content needs to have a wedge that's different from everyone else. It's similar to this idea that like your website needs to be different from the competition. And um, you could even uh, get some ideas from other industries, like other industries that look completely different from yours. What what do you like about it? How is it different? Maybe bring that in some of that visual into your website. So your wedge needs to be unique, different from everyone else, because how else are you going to stand out? If you say the same stuff, it's just going to be the same boring content. So it's part of the process. I help figure out like, what is the wedge? There's different, um, we're not going to have time to go into it, but there are different ways to kind of do the research and see like, what is everyone else talking about? And where is their uh, an opportunity to talk about something differently to, to like, what is the gap? What is the story that's not being told yet and really zero in on it and coupled with the strengths of the company, right? Maybe you have certain expertise, maybe your product has, um, certain abilities. And so it really has to, this wedge has to tie into both how you can stand out, but also tie back to what your product does. Uh, I, I want to wrap up here, but um, want to give you a chance kind of at the end here to give us one piece of advice for any company that really fits your your target market, the perfect ideal customer. What what advice would you give them that you commonly see those types of companies making a mistake on that you would just like to preemptively say, like, do this better because uh, it'll it'll help you in the long run? Don't wait to think about marketing. Um, and I think, you know, early stage startup founders, they have, they're wearing a lot of hats um, as they're building their company. And they're wearing the sales hat, right? That sales-led, sales um, founder-led sales. And they're putting on the marketing hat, although they don't necessarily call it that because it really ties to like their business and how they're positioning and how, how they're talking about the company. and um, figuring out like targeting and who they're for and why are they the best fit. So they're already starting this process, but don't wait to scale. Just like you, why would you wait to scale your sales? If you figured out a way to um, like have your cold outreach cadence and you're getting bogged down as a founder because you're wearing that hat, but you have to be doing a lot of other things, right? Why, why would you wait to hire in like an SDR? to take over that prospecting process. If you want to scale, don't wait to hire in your marketing leadership to help you then scale, right? Um, the stuff that you've already figured out, you've got your customers, you have your super fans, you've built something that um, is really valuable. And now you've just, you just need to have that marketing foundation because marketing is a part of go-to-market strategy. It's an important part of it. And if you're missing that piece, or if you're just, um, you're, you're saying like, oh, we'll get back to it next year or the year after, you're missing a really important part of your go-to-market strategy. So that's my recommendation.